your purpose as a coach, as a leader of, of young people is to add as much value to them and make them as good a people and, and get the most potential out of them as possible. Welcome to the Generation Youth Podcast, where we ignite the future by empowering our youth. I'm James McLamb, your host, founder, and CEO of Generation Youth, and the author of the best-selling book, Tomorrow's Youth. Whether you're a parent, an educator, youth pastor, or coach, join us as we dive into the pressing issues facing our young people today. Together, We'll unlock the strategies, insights, and inspiration to elevate and equip our next generation. Stay with us, and let's make a difference, one youth at a time. Jamie, thank you for joining us on the Generation Youth Podcast. I I so appreciate uh, you being my guest today, but also I really want to thank you again for being a part of the Igniting the Next Generation Summit that we had this past summer. If you're listening to it in this in the future, it was summer of 2023, and you probably missed out if you don't know about it. So, but thank you for being a part of our show. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely appreciate appreciate what you're doing uh, with this podcast, with with where your heart's at, where what your mission is, and in that conference, the summit. I was I was really happy to be a part of that. Uh, you had a lot of great great speakers, a lot of great messages. So thanks a lot. Well, we we had great success with it, and I think it brought great value for people who really want to see young people thrive and, and reach their potential to really empower them. And that was our goal. And, and it was, there'll be future ones of those. So, well, Jamie, our, our audience, they get tired of hearing from me every week and they really would love for our guests to share a little bit about themselves. So if you wouldn't mind, share a few sec, a few minutes about yourself to the generation youth group. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we should swap audiences because I think my audience gets tired of me as well. So, so maybe we should swap <laughs> those audiences out, but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Jamie Beckler is my name, uh, you know, and if you're watching this, you can see that my first name is spelled a little bit differently than than Jamie. And uh, my last name is not spelled the way it's pronounced. So I'm always getting my name butchered a little bit, but Jamie Beckler, but my dad, my dad, and my mom, they, uh, they knew they wanted to name me Jamie, but they never talked about the spelling. And when when I, you know, popped out when I was born at the hospital, the nurse asked my dad, you know, and he was like, well, Jamie. And she goes, well, how, how would you spell that? He goes, I, I don't know, I guess Amy with a J. So I became Amy with a J. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's, my my name by my parents, I mean, I'm James, but they called me Jamie up until I got into to uh, grade school. And it was J-A-M-E-Y. So it's a little bit different. Uh, and my brother-in-law, my wife's husband, is Jamie I-E, J-A-M-I-E. So uh, yeah, which is more of a, a common way to spell it. But yeah, both of my names get butchered a little bit, but that's that's all right. But, you know, for, for those that don't know me, which is a lot of people, I was a college basketball coach for about 20 years. I coach both men and women. I, I coach mainly in the South, but a lot of different places, small colleges. I won, uh, you know, coach of the year honors. We had really good teams. I also got fired. I also coach really bad teams or more to the point, I was a bad coach on different teams. So I was up and down at different points in my career. Then I went to be a high school athletic director at a school in Indiana that had the fifth largest gym in the world, seated over 7,500 people in their gym, 
you know, nobody had won more boys basketball titles than that school that I went to in Indiana. And so for a, a basketball junkie, that was that was exciting for me to go there. But we did a lot of leadership stuff. Uh, we did a lot of, uh, you know, turning around their budget, putting systems and processes in place, which are boring to me, but were needed in order to do some of the leadership stuff that we wanted and to, to coach the coaches and, and lead leaders and, and develop the kids as much as possible. And then um, about five, six years ago, I decided to leave Organized Athletics and uh, started Beckler Leadership and went out on my own and we do podcasts we write some books we speak to people at conferences speak to teams sports teams we're mainly in the education athletics field um, but uh, you know been self-employed or unemployed i guess depending on the day uh, for about the last five or six years you didn't was it hickory high school was it you didn't have uh it was a uh, marion high school the marion giants Let's see if anyone in the if anyone in the audience gets the reference that I just made. Please post it in the comments, either on your audio platform or on YouTube. If you understand what I meant when I said was it the AD at Hickory High School? So. Well, in fact, uh, you know, ironically, in a couple days, I am going to Hickory the the uh, the real life Hickory High School, oh, really? and I, I'm uh, speaking doing a, a basketball clinic at the gym, the really small gym that they used in the movie Hoosiers. Oh, I just, I just ruined, <laughs> I ruined your, uh, you know, your, your quiz for everybody. But uh, yeah, the, the Hoosier basketball, the Hoosier, uh, the Hoosier gym, the, the movie Hoosiers, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're going to go do uh, a little clinic there. And so uh, I'm going to speak about some leadership and then I'm also going to do some rebounding stuff for the coaches in attendance. Well, Jamie, I, I loved what your message was in the summit. And it really spoke to me on a personal level because the experiences I had working with young people and what brought me into the world of youth coaching. I was sharing with you beforehand that I had coached adult teams uh, when I got out of college, you know, in baseball and, and men's softball and competitive softball, not the, not the really weird leagues, but I mean competitive. And uh, for those who don't understand, knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but uh, I, I ventured into to coaching youth because of a problem that I saw with coaches of being so angry towards it. My son was seven years old and playing on a baseball team. Had a great coach his early years. I mean, just enthusiastic, good teacher of the game, understand? And then he moved to this next team, which was at a better league, a higher level. And they're out there in the outfield, and this coach was yelling at these seven years old who were making errors. Imagine that, seven-year-olds making errors, that they were pathetic. Oh, you guys are pathetic out here. And I was like, what is he expecting of them? And, and it moved me into it because I thought there was a better way. You really, if I had to use one word for your message, it was encouragement. How do, how do, how do I encourage folks on this? So speak to why that was the passionate message that, that you wanted to share with us. Yeah, you know, we see a lot of that with coaches and, and there's a lot of, you know, I would say old school coaching that still can be successful, you know, where you degrade people or, or you're just, you know, cracking the whip on people, but they're not, that's not the norm, like for a successful. And when I say successful to me, success is maximizing your potential, being the best that you're capable of being. And so that could be, you win one game. If your potential was zero games, you know, or, or just accomplishing goals that you never thought you could accomplish. And so 
I don't think that that's the way across the board to get people to be the best that they're capable of being. That old school mentality doesn't work anymore. Uh, and if it works, it's absolutely the exception, uh, mm. the aberration. But we look at those coaches, and I won't name some of those coaches, but we'll look at that those coaches that do it that way, and we'll say, yeah, it can still work, except those are the exceptions. We also read about the hundreds and hundreds of coaches that tried to do it the old school way, and they get fired or they get in trouble because it doesn't work. People, and it really doesn't matter if you're talking your seven-year-old son or you're talking us in our 40s or 50s, it doesn't matter. We don't respond long-term to being berated, to being degraded, belittled, mm -hmm. beat down. We might respond in the very, very short term, but not the long term. And so if we want sustained success, if we want to get the most out of people for the long term, then we're going to have to find a different way. And, and I do think you need to be encouraging. I, I think you need to catch people being good. Now, that automatically people will, will associate that. You know, I'm not saying, you know, hey, James, let's let's you and I and all of your audience just join hands and, and sing Kumbaya. It's not pom-pom positivity where, where we're just saying, you know, we're number one, we're number one, we're not going to be beat, you know, when, you know, we're down 20 with a minute to go. We've all seen cheerleaders that do that. You know, it's like, no, we're not going to win right now. We're not talking to the, the positivity that's fake. We're not talking encouragement that's fake. We're talking about how can we add value to people, lift them up? How can I encourage you, James, to be the best that you're capable of? Mm -hmm. and, and maybe you're not the best player on the team. But that doesn't mean you still can't do something good. You still can't do something right. There's something that you can add, something that you can contribute. If if you're on my basketball team and you absolutely can't shoot three-pointers, I'm not going to encourage you, hey, when you're open, take the shot all day long. No, yeah. there's a reason you're open. You know, the other team knows you can't shoot. You know, let's find a different way for you to contribute as opposed to checking up, you know, shots when you're when you're open. Maybe not a great analogy, but that would be fake positivity or fake encouragement where I'm telling you to do something that you're not equipped to handle. You're not, you're not in, enriched. You're not able to do those things. And so I think we need to encourage people, find ways to get the best out of people. And as coaches, we don't do that. And, and you know, most of my philosophies now have come out of failure. They've mm -hmm. come out of, you know, I didn't do it right, especially as a young coach. I was I was 27 years old. I was the youngest women's basketball coach in NCAA level. You know, 27 years old, I was constantly, constantly trying to prove I belonged. You know, there's a reason they hired me so young. Hey, trust me. Hey, do what I tell you to do. They wouldn't have hired me if they didn't think I knew what I was doing. So I was constantly trying to prove to people, just do what I tell you to do. And that's not how people... That, that's not how you get the best out of people. That's not how a, a husband and wife get the best out of each other. That's not how a, a parents and kids, that's not how employers and employees, that's not how coaches and athletes, that, that's not how you should work together to get the best out of everybody. You know, using coaching as an analogy for how we work with youth overall, and you talked about how sometimes old school coaching does work. Immediately when you said that, I got to thinking that those who try to mimic what they would consider that are not really seeing it deeply because it's not as, as one dimensional as a coach that is negative and hard on somebody. And, and I can't help but to think now that since we've already brought this subject up, but I can't think, help but to think about Norman Dale from, from the movie. Hughes. <laughs> he was very old school and harsh, but you saw the scenes where he was 
you know, with his kids, a father to his kids, encouraging to his athletes uh, and going forward as well. So <laughs> for those who are seeing, oh, that kid, that coach, the Krzyzewskis of the world are out there. They're yelling and screaming at their players. Don't see the other side. Well, you know, if we're going to go with the fictitious coach of Normandale and, and <laughs> Hoosiers, he was a very flawed coach. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the result was good. Obviously he cared about his players, but he was, you know, he was fighting some demons himself. And, you know, some of that stuff, does that work? I mean, the truth be known, and, and I hate to go with talent sometimes, but if Jimmy Chitwood's not a star player, and if Jimmy Chitwood doesn't stand up for him, then he's out of he a job. Right. And, and, you know, I'm not sure that he doesn't deserve to be fired at that point. But there's so many dynamics at play when we're working with people, especially youth. And, and we can't just push one button and expect it to work. We can't just say, hey, this worked for Nick Saban, for Coach K, for Normandale and Hoosiers. So I'm going to do this thing because there might be 129 different things that were also done. And, you know, the same way I remember as a coach, I did one strategy one year with a team and it worked perfectly. The next year I thought everything was set up and I tried the same strategy and it totally backfired on me um, Mm -hmm. because I didn't take into a, I didn't take into play, you know, all the factors. I just went on the surface and was like, okay, this is a good time to pull this strategy out. And it backfired on me because I didn't consider all those other things. And so you might see a Nick Saban doing something. You might not realize what Nick Saban has done behind the scenes. Right. Also, you might see so-and-so coach do something. Maybe so-and-so coach isn't doing anything behind the scenes, but he just has all the five-star athletes. It pays off this year. He tries it next year and he's fired, you know, yeah. or his, his team totally turns against him, or, you know, or X, Y, and Z. And so I think at the end of the day, you're not going to go wrong if your purpose as a coach, as a leader of, of young people is to add as much value to them and make them as good people and, and get the most potential out of them as possible. If you're in it for your resume, for accolades, for you to look good, then I think you're going to struggle long-term. And, and that's what I was as a coach. You know, I cared about my athletes, but ultimately I wanted a promotion, a raise, a better job. I, you know, if, if we won, I thought I looked good. If we lost, well, they made me look bad as a coach. And, and even with leadership, you know, hey, let's do community service. Yes, it helps the community. But, man, people are going to say, that Coach Beckler, that Coach Beckler, he runs a great program. You know, they're doing this community service because, you know, Coach Beckler has a great culture there. No, we're doing mm. community service because it made me look good. Because I knew people would say, oh, they, they have a great program. You know, and if it benefited the community, that's secondary. And you know, that's the honest to goodness motive of not just me, but a lot of coaches out there. We do things hoping that it has a secondary effect, but the main effect is we want us to look good. And and it's not about us as a coach, as a leader, it's not about us. It's about the people that we're interacting with, engaging with, leading. Well, I'm a coach. Seriously, I'm out coaching and I really want to change my mindset to be more encouraging to I try my best, but I'm still driven by these things. What's step one for me? What what do I do to get myself turned around and head in that direction? Because I I have worked with 
with not only coaches and teachers and youth leaders, but even parents who are guilty of this, all I seem to do is criticize my son. All I seem to do is find the fault in my daughter. Um, how do I turn this around? How do I you know, find the good to build upon? Yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things that's simple, but not easy. It's simple for me to sit here and say it. But even after I realized, you know, what I needed to do, and it really took, it took me getting fired. So, so I was 27 years old, youngest NCAA head coach. Well, four years later, they allowed me to take my talents elsewhere. I got resigned. You know, they did not want me anymore. And I talked to a coaching mentor of mine the day I got fired and I was mad. You know, I really wanted to know what do I need to do to set myself up for the next job? What do I need? Do I need to sue someone? What kind of lawsuit, you know, what kind of legal or administrative, you know, strategies do I need to be thinking about right now? And he said, the number one thing you need to be thinking about is right now, this moment, do you want to be better or do you want to be bitter? And I know that that's a cliche, but I had to make that choice right then. Did I want to be a better person, a better coach because of this, or did I want to let bitterness take over? And he said, your decision right now about that doesn't automatically change the results, but what it does is it changes your path that you're going down. And so you're now going to go down a path of improvement, of growth, of development, of trying to be better. This thing is going to make you better if you want it to. And I was like, that makes sense. Let's do it. So that was a simple thought process. It was not easy. It took me many years to get to the point where I was always looking at ways to make players better. And mm -hmm. I never perfected that. I, I remember the very last game I coached as a college coach. We're in the playoffs. We're doing great. We had a great season. And one of the last minutes of the game, in my last game as a coach, I make a stupid decision as a coach that was a terrible leadership decision. And I knew better. But I still got in the heat of the moment. I made a, a bad emotional decision, a bad leadership decision. So even if you make those decisions, even if you're trying to do everything right, we're still human, we're still flawed, but you've got to make that choice at some point that, you know what, I'm going to take a little bit different path than maybe other coaches do. And so it's a path of looking at everything from a development and improvement and a growth standpoint. So when James messes up, instead of, and, and this takes practice, just like any skill takes practice. When James messes up, I don't look at it as he messed up. I need to look at it as, okay, how can I take him from where he's at right now to where he needs to be? And that might be a lot. <laughs> it might be something he's always screwing up on, or it might just be a mistake. You know, was that something that's a habit or was that something that's a mistake? Um, what can I do to correct that? So let's, uh, I, I won't go too deep in the weeds on, on basketball, but, but let's say, James, you can't dribble with your left hand. Well, if you make a turnover, you boot the ball out of bounds because I had a play where you were dribbling with your left hand, you know, going in a certain direction. Well, shame on me, maybe, for putting you in that position where you did screw up, where you were more likely to have to dribble with your left hand. And I know that's kind of a simplistic thought process, but we all the time either put people in positions where they're, we're essentially setting them up to fail or we're not providing them the tools. And think mm -hmm. about it from our perspective. Flip, flip the script a little bit. How many times have we worked for a boss and we're a little bitter about the boss because they don't equip, they don't give us the, the tools. They don't give us the resources. They don't equip us. They don't give us the onboarding or the training that we need to do our job. They don't tell us what we need to know. Um, and so we don't know what we don't know. We don't ask questions because we don't even know. 
you know, we get mad at our boss about that, but we do the same thing with youth. We don't equip them. We don't help them see things. We don't put them in positions to be successful or to utilize their skills. And so the first thing is you've got to be aware of that. You've, you've got to choose the right path. You got to say, Hey, I want to be a better coach a better coach so that my athletes get better, so that students get better, not so I'm better. When I improve, our athletes improve, and that's the most important. But once I make that decision, then I have to constantly be looking for ways to add value, catching them being good. I'm going to find good things to say to James to encourage him, but I'm also going to find when James messes up, I'm not going to be there with the hammer you know, to tell him he's wrong and just be the first one to correct him. I'm going to be there to figure out, hey, how can we go somewhere together? How can we improve together? Maybe I didn't set you up for success. Maybe you haven't been doing what you're supposed to, but maybe I need to figure out a little bit more about what makes you tick. I need to maybe connect with you a little bit more. Maybe I need to encourage you so you're actually listening. Maybe, you know, how many times as a parent, as a leader, as a coach, do we say, hey, I've told you this a million times. Well, yeah, but if they don't like us or if they're ticked at us, we could tell them two million times and they're not going to yeah. listen because they've shut us out. And so the more that we can connect with the people that we're interacting with, the more they're going to listen. And maybe we don't have to tell them a million times or maybe they're connected. We're connected with them, but maybe we just have to change our communication style to match mm. theirs. You know, 40 year old, 50 year old Jamie is different than a teenager. You know, and even Jamie as a teenager was different than the teenagers I might be coaching now. And so maybe we have to communicate a little bit differently. And so we have to we have to kind of seek to understand them and, and, and understand maybe what what inspires them. I love the fact that all of this kind of also builds upon the, the three core things that we feel like, you know, we need to work with youth. And the biggest one being their self-image is that if you're constantly finding the fault, it's going to build upon them that they're going to find the fault first in themselves. Uh, where if we're finding the positive, if we're finding something to build upon, they in turn are going to try to look, you know, they're just going to mimic what they see us doing. They're going to in turn find, you know, hey, I can build upon this. And when you were thinking of that, I was thinking when I was coaching and uh, coaching high school baseball, great kid, freshman, probably the best athlete as a freshman so much. So he was on the varsity team and he was really good. And I was coaching first and he got picked off twice. And the second time it just freaking ticked me off so much that I was walking back to the dugout. I said, we need to take him out and put such and such in and such and such was a bad player. And it, so it was just my anger doing it. And I got rebuked real quickly by the head coach. But now I'm thinking back to what was that? anger doing to that young man yeah what was that well how was samuel feeling as as he was hearing coach mclam say you know jerk him off and, and put you know i don't even remember the other kid's name uh that that never played you know that was just there cause, literally because we had an extra uniform um and, and he was on the team so well a lot really, of times we coach a lot of times we coach like we're coaching you know uh mike trout or, or Bryson Harper, or we coach like we're coaching Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. We coach like the things that we say are going to be receptive or picked up upon because we're, we're coaching an all-world talent. Mm -hmm. The majority, you know, I, I don't know, 99.9% .9 of the kids we, we, we coach are not the kids that are able to just turn it on and off successfully. 
So just telling them they screwed up or yelling at them, that really doesn't motivate long-term. And it really doesn't motivate for the good, most kids, or, or even just telling them something one time, they don't pick up on that. They're, they've got, you know, what, seven second attention spans, you know, their attention span is yeah. terrible. They're not paying attention as much as we would like. They're not thinking about things like, like we would like. And so I think coaching we sometimes think, well, all we need to do is, is know the X's nose, know some strategies and tactics, and then we just tell them and they're going to get it. That's not most of the kids we're dealing with. You know, they're going to learn, you know, not necessarily what we teach. They're going to learn what makes sense to them. You know, when we communicate something to them, communication involves two people or it involves more than just one person. It involves more than just a talker. It involves... I have a message to say to my athlete. Well, when I say that thing to that athlete, if they don't interpret it the way that I intended it to be ter interpreted, then it's not good communication. So I can, I can, it can be clear to me all day long, but if it's not clear to my athlete, then we've got a problem. You know, it's, it's not what I teach. It's what they learn. It's not what I say. It's what they hear. You know, it's not what I coach, you know, it's, it's what they learn. All that kind of stuff, we need to be looking at it from their perspective sometimes. So take your pickoff example, you know, with that that kid at first base, there could be a number of different things you could do. And I'm not even going to say, like, this is the one thing that if you had done this, it would have been better. But, you know, tone of voice, when you talk to them, uh, what did you do after the first time he got picked off? What did you do when he got on base the second time? You know, what did you do after the first pitch? What did you do after the second pitch? Uh, you know, did you talk to them about the delivery of that pitcher? You know, little little uh, tells that that pitcher might have had. Uh, there's so many different things that, you know, what are you doing in practice? Was, was it a habit? Mm -hmm. Was this something that you could have seen coming? You know, and, and not just the pickoff thing, but there's so many things that go into a, a teenager, you know? And so we've got to constantly keep our head on a swivel about, how can I best, you know, uh, find out what makes them tick to inspire them to 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 get them to to pay attention right now, and then next time to get them to pay attention right now, and then next time get them to pay attention right now. You know, it's a it's a battle sometimes, but it's not a battle like me versus them. It's just a battle within myself as a coach, as a leader, to find the best way to inspire those people that I interact with the best way to motivate them or to encourage them to make them feel like, Hey, I want to do this, this thing. And almost every kid that we deal with has some strengths, has some positive, mm -hmm. has some things that they can do to, to contribute to whatever, to whatever you're, you're involved in. You know, I really hope too, that those who are listening uh, to our podcast and join us in this conversation, see this as not just a technique to help improve that performance, for that particular activity, whether it's a sports or some other leadership activity or even at home. But this is a foundational principle that, that can have implications for them lifelong. Because um, we really are dealing with, with a mind, a brain that is still forming their identity, that they are getting inputs from all different places to try to figure out who they are and we're providing some of those endpoints, and 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 we don't want to convey to them, you're a failure, you're a loser because you got picked off twice at first base, you know, by this pitcher. Um, it's we need. Well, they to know, and they know, James. They they're. I mean, they know that they got picked off. Yeah. 
they know that that's yeah. a and if they don't their failure. teammates are going to tell them so yeah i mean so and as coaches it's like sometimes i think and and i've been guilty of this so many times like am am i dumb i, I must be the dumbest person in the in the stadium or in the gym because i i was captain obvious you know i just yelled at the kid for making the turnover well yeah everybody knows they made a turnover the kid knows that how did that how did I help? All I did was state the obvious, you know, anyone mm -hmm. could do that. Why do they even need to hire me? Uh, anyone could do that. You know, a robot could do that. It's obvious, but what, what separates the leaders and, and the coaches, the, the good ones is they can take something that's obvious and find maybe the not so obvious and, and they can find a way to move forward. And, but you said something too, that got me thinking, or, or, you know, I think it bears repeating and, or, or bears a reminder is that we are teaching X's and O's. We're teaching strategies. We're teaching skills, but we're really doing it as a way to teach life skills. And I know once right. again, that's kind of kumbaya and that that's kind of higher level in a way. But at the end of the day, almost all of us, when we deal with these youth, when we deal with these teenagers, what we're doing is we're helping our community be better 10, 15, 20 years from now our community in the future will be better or worse based upon the youth that we're dealing with now. And I know that goes a little bit deep, but sometimes that's a good reminder that, you know what, teaching this skill isn't as important as how this kid is going to feel about learning this skill, how this kid right. is going to feel about how I make them feel. And I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, we've got to, 100% care about everybody's feelings. And we got to, we, we got to, we're walking on eggshells all the time because just because, you know, when you deal with team aspects, you're, you're going to have to, there are going to be some hurt feelings sometimes. So you're not always going to hundred percent be able to handle the feelings, but what you want to be able to do is look in the mirror and say, you know what? I did everything that I could to help James reach his potential as a person. I, found value where maybe no one else found value, or I caught him being good, or I reminded mm -hmm. him of what he could be, what he was capable of being, you know? And so how you do anything is how you do everything. And so if you're somebody that, that is as a coach, you're looking for growth and development in general, then you know what it, it's when I'm working with you on hitting, if I'm working with you on fielding, you know, I'm not just separating it into hitting and fielding. You know, I'm trying to make you feel good as a person. I'm trying to to make you into a better teammate so that you can have be a better employee one day or a, or a better business person. I'm trying to help you be a better leader on the team so that one day you can be a better leader in your family or a better leader right. in your community. And so, you know, how you handle adversity, how you handle that error at second base or how you handle getting picked off at first base yeah, that's a baseball thing, but it's a life thing. And sometimes we forget about that and we just focus on the baseball thing. And when we focus on the life thing, our perspective starts to change a little bit as, as coaches and leaders. And, you know, I say this and people can hear this. And I don't say this like I was perfect at this. You know, you, I can give you a lot of players I coach that would say Coach Beckler is full of BS, you know, because he he yelled at me one time or or he was always <laughs> on me about something. And you know what? That kid is probably right because I wasn't perfect as a coach. I learned I was a better coach at the end of my career than I was at the start, but I was still making mistakes at the end. Just like as a father, just like as a husband, I'm still making mistakes. But 
I try to learn from those things and I try to have that perspective of, of growth and development. But, you know, every day it's a battle. You got to fight. You know, if you're if you're trying to have a better culture in your team, you got to fight for that culture every day. You can't get complacent. And if you're trying to be a better coach every day, you got to fight to be a better coach and not just be complacent. I love the concept of us conveying to our audience that it's not about this activity, but it is a bigger thing, you know, that is these life skills that we're working. Because immediately when you were sharing those things, what was coming to mind was was back to that seven-year-old team. I wonder how many, I don't know any of those kids. I don't know where they went. We, were, we didn't play in that league uh, much more than that. And I don't think we ever encountered any of those in the leagues that we played in and on the travel teams that we played in. But I wonder how many of those 14 boys or 12 to 14 boys that were on there that were seven years old then, how many of them continued with a passion for the game? Yeah, and, and too many coaches, you know, I, I hear it all the time or I see it in social media. You know, I scroll through Twitter or I'll post something. And, and invariably, somebody, some parent or, or some kid or, or some adult will be disgruntled about, you know, back when they were 12 years old, they had this terrible coach. And so all coaches are bad. Uh, I lost my love of the game or, or whatever. And you know what? I hate that they had that experience. And, and I wish that all coaches were perfect. We're not perfect, but too many coaches make it about themselves and too many coaches, you know, it, it, they're not looking for ways to build up kids. And, and I think that that's so important. Not that you have to cater to kids, not that you have to help them be more entitled or, you know, give them trophy participation trophies all the time. I'm not saying prop kids up when they don't deserve it. I'm saying find ways to find them deserving of stuff, find ways to find their skills, their talents, find ways that they can contribute, make it more than just about your X's and O's and your playbook. Mm -hmm. And, and I definitely didn't do that even at the college level, you know, they have egos. I work with pro athletes and pro coaches and they have egos too. It's just their bank accounts are bigger and they run high faster and jump higher, but they still are people and they have feelings and, and you have to find with every person, how can you connect with them? How can you communicate on a level that they understand? Do you even know what's important to them? Do you know what their, what their hopes and dreams and fears are? And a lot of times we don't because we're just worried about our plays our X's and O's, our strategy. We're not worried about, you know, what James wants. And, and so mm. that comes back to bite us. And then when I'm trying to get, you know, James to do something, James doesn't do it because James doesn't like me. That's well, right. And, and as a coach, I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not here to be liked. You know, this isn't a popularity contest. Well, it is if you say kids these days, well, kids these days, they don't run through a wall. Kids these days, they have commitment issues. No, kids don't have commitment issues if they believe in you. And if you believe in them, they're going to run through walls for you. And they're going to go out and do things that they never thought possible. But it's, it's a lot of times the selfish coaches that complain kids these days. And I was there. I said kids these days a lot of times. Well, I, I think you just hit my point. It's not kids these days. This is an eternal problem that – We've seen when, when adults who are working with kids or, or coaches that, that are working with youth are just, if they're not looking for the value, trying to bring out the value that they turn against them. When, uh, when a few years ago and the world shut down and, and my daughter, who was a 10 at the time, decided to, I mean, not decided, but was forced to be home for, for, for a time, we would still get up in the morning and watch 
television together. And I was thinking of the TV, so we were going to watch old sitcoms. I mean, like old sitcoms, like 70 years ago sitcoms. And what I noticed was is that those storylines were exactly the same kind of issues and problems that youth were having today. And I distinctly remember seeing Leave It the Beaver episodes and Andy Griffith episodes that had coaches and people working with youth that were negative to them and watching the boys not do well. And then the dad or Andy would come in and be positive and the boys would turn out to do great stuff. And I mean, it's not something new. It's now it manifests itself in a different way. Now we, we all would agree to that, but it's these kind of dynamics of working with youth. They're always there. It's just human nature. It's hard. And it, it takes work. You know, it's a lot easier if James isn't performing to yell at him and sub him, you know, put a substitution in there or, or to change the starting lineup or to maybe you, ch- put a different, you know, my high school coaches. You yeah, know. yeah. You know, that's a lot easier to do. The hard thing is, Hey, is it my fault? Or more importantly, is it my responsibility that James isn't getting the job done? Was I maybe not clear? And a lot of times, you know, as leaders, and we see this, all you have to do is turn on the TV or, or go to websites and you see our, our political leaders or our business leaders. Oh, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I don't care whose fault it is. I care that you're responsible because of your position of finding a solution, of making things better. Or if you can't find a solution in the short term, making sure that maybe this doesn't happen again. As a coach, it's not my fault, you know, so-and-so that James got picked off at first base. It's not my fault. No, but it is my responsibility to help James so that next time he doesn't get picked off or I minimize the chance of that happening, or it's my responsibility to put him in a position where he doesn't get picked off or to prepare him better. It is my responsibility as a leader. It might not be my fault, but a hundred percent my responsibility. And, and we, we pass the blame. We play the blame game so much as coaches. And it's like, Who's the adult here? You know, you yeah. are the 15 year old. You're blaming uh, a 15 exactly. year old with no, with how, why do you think a, a teenager is going to do what's right? I still don't do what's right. You know, <laughs> and you expect a teenager to do what's right under pressure situations. No, it's, it might not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. Step up, man up, cowboy up, and be responsible as a leader. You know, being a coach isn't just wearing a whistle and getting to call the plays and being in charge, even though that's what some people think. It's not about being in charge. It's about making people in situations better. And and I kind of get fired up about this. And part of it is because I'm mad at myself because I wasted a number of years doing it wrong. Um, I see I I consult with coaches all the time and, and I bang my head against the wall all the time because coaches are not coachable. They want Mm -hmm. their players to be coachable, but they're not coachable. Or coaches, sometimes it's like their number one goal is to just get James to do – James, why won't you do what I tell you to do? Our goal is to have compliant followers. No, that's that's not how to have a great program, a great culture. The best programs have a whole bunch of leaders. They have a whole bunch of people that take ownership in that whole culture. Mm -hmm. It's not just coaches' program. It's our program. It's we, us, ours. And oftentimes we don't, we don't go down that road. You know, it's just do what I tell you to do. I know what I'm doing. Just do what I tell you to do. Well, compliant followership in the short term might work, but long term, you're not going to have a sustained, successful culture. 
you know, and, and the audience, if you're listening to us and you're going, this this podcast, I've stayed with it for so long, and you guys are already talking about coach. It doesn't apply to me. I'm not a coach. You, you're not seeing how coaching is really a, a great classroom, a, a microcosm of world. I mean, it's like everything is intensified there in such a way that the lessons that you can learn from it for, to be a better parent, to be a better youth leader, to be a better youth minister, to be a better teacher, just to be a better leader in, in, in general, you can derive from this because it's so much more intensified and, and uh-huh. especially, you know, the positive stuff, you know, you, while you and I are recording this is my favorite, one of my favorite sports events of the year, especially my, one of my favorite baseball sports of the year, that's the little league world series. And, I wonder sometimes if the coaches are so positive and upbeat towards that because they're mic'd or (laughs) I think there's some of that. I think to deny that would be wrong, but most of the very successful ones, they're there supporting those young boys. Those 12 and 13 year old kids that are out there on a stage with enormous pressure to perform at a level that really an average kid probably shouldn't have to be put under that that, you know that microscope like this those boys are i mean they're getting that input that positive input from them and i, I just love that and and i think lessons can be derived from those types of observations in any aspect of working with you i i love the the saying how you do anything is how you do everything now Ooh. now obviously there's there's rare rarely a time where any cliche any quote any saying is 100 percent always right but I do think on the whole, how you do anything is how you do everything because we're people that are made up of habits. Mm-hmm. We're better or worse today based upon our choices and decisions we've made in our past. And, and some of us, it's some of it, some of, you know, we make it harder on ourselves. Some of us, it's, it's easier because we've made better decisions, you know, uh, leading up to this decision today or or whatever we face. But our habits, you know, how we handle what we see on social media. Mm -hmm. I can almost guarantee you that if you're negative or you're a troll on social media, or you're talking bad about people, or you're finding the worst in people that you disagree with, you're probably, if you're coaching teenagers, you're probably going to struggle with when they fall short of what your expectations for them are. You're probably not going to to be as compassionate or you're not going to cut them slack or more importantly than even being compassionate or cutting them slack, you're not going to be looking to how to add value to them, how to help them grow and develop because your habits are being negative. Your habits are just criticism and blame as opposed to finding solutions. Uh, You know, obviously there's, there's always exceptions to, to everything, but man, I see too many coaches and I watch them on social media and they say negative stuff on social media. I'm like, yeah, you're probably saying that behind the scenes with your, with your coaches or with your, with your athletes. And, and how is that going to, to help them grow and develop, you know, how, how you handle a kid or, or work with a kid that that's struggling in the classroom is probably going to be indicative of, of what you do when they're struggling with uh, basketball or baseball. Or mm-hmm. if you, if you, if you think that, well, James doesn't matter to me because he's not important enough or, or this person can't help me because they're a janitor. You know, I, I want to go shake hands with, with this multimillionaire over here 
if that's your attitude away from the basketball court, well, then you're probably not going to care as much about the 14th or 15th player on your team as you are the starter. You know, those things are, are very aligned. You know, your attitude about one thing is probably going to carry over. And so it, I would encourage people, and, and I still have to remind myself about this all the time, see the good in people. How can I make people in situations better or help make them better? Uh, and, and, you know, it starts with myself. Am I becoming better? Am I coachable? And a lot of times I got to I gotta check myself because I'm not being coachable or I'm being a little stubborn about something. Uh, I love our conversation today. Jamie, how can our our audience uh, get in touch with you, connect with you either through your website or social media so that they can learn more about what you have to offer and 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 learn from you? Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm on a lot of the social media platforms, as most people are. Uh, Twitter is my number one thing, or I guess it's called X now. But uh, <laughs> right. if you're a twit or you're an X, uh, Coach Beckler at CoachBeckler.com. We try to put out a lot of positive insights for both athletes and and leaders and coaches. You're not going to see who I voted for for president or uh, election. You're not going to see what food I'm eating. You're not uh, you're not going to know who my favorite team is or even where I'm going to speak. Uh, it's not a timeline full of this is an advertisement for where I'm going to speak. We try to add value as much as possible, um, but. Uh, you know, jamiebeckler.com or coachbeckler.com, either one gets you there um, to to all of our stuff that we got going on, blogs, podcasts, different things like that. So uh, we just try to add value where we can, and, and hopefully one or two people will pick up on something or, or people will pick up on one or two things, you know, insights that, that can maybe help them. That's, that's what we're trying to do. And audience, if you want to connect with Jamie, just look in the show notes, still have all the links to his social media channels and to his website and uh, anything else that we have available in Step Forward Links. So if you're listening, go to your platform, uh, your podcast platform. You'll see it there. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening on YouTube, as some people do, just look in the show notes down below us and you'll see that information there. Jamie, thank you again for your contribution to the summit. You really enriched the entire, it was such a great uh I know my audience is getting a little bit tired because I'm in the middle of like a post summit. Uh, <laughs> everybody that I've had over the last few weeks and will continue to have it over the next few weeks have been summit people. So they're probably a little bit tired of that, but it was such an impactful event for me. And I appreciate that. And thank you for your time today. It really has been a, a joy for us to share together. Appreciate you having me keep up the good work. Well, thank you. And audience, thank you for sticking with it. Hey, if you've listened to us this long, watch this long, you obviously found value. So please comment, share, and like on this podcast. Someone you know needs to hear this message. So send it to them today. And we'll see you again next week on the Generation Youth Podcast. And there you have it. Another impactful episode of the Generation Youth Podcast. To all of our listeners out there, remember to hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast platform so you can never miss an episode. Want to be a part of the Generation Youth community? Follow us on all of our social media platforms. We'll keep you connected with all of our upcoming episodes and inspiring initiatives. You're not just a listener here. You're a catalyst for change. Together, we're building a future filled with promise, potential, and endless possibilities. This journey is just starting. 
So keep tuning in, keep growing, and let's continue uplifting our youth one episode at a time. Thank you for joining us today. And until next time, let's keep sparking inspiration and igniting the future.